Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, sorry we took an unexpected break, but um, we are here. We'll be posting an episode a month for the next couple of months, and then we'll be back to our bi-weekly schedule. I wanted to let you know that Tempest and I recorded this episode a while ago, like several months ago, and some things have changed. You'll hear me say, like, I'm getting ready to move from Phoenix to Seattle. Um, I've moved to Seattle. So that's done. Uh, Tempest has gone to Egypt for a month. So there have been some changes, but the heart of what we talked about is still true. And it also explains kind of why we had the unexplained, unexpected absence in a little bit more depth than your getting uh like if you follow us on twitter or whatever um so i'll let you go enjoy the episode now and we will be back again next month welcome to originality the podcast where we explore the roots of creativity and creative genius I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and I am joined, as ever, by... Kay Tempest Bradford. Tempest! Aline! I feel like I I haven't talked to you in six years. It's been so long. It's been a while. It's because life. It's because life. life. It's bigger. It's so, so big. And that's actually today's topic, kind of. That life is bigger than you and you are not me. (laughs) That's the topic. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to offer an explanation. Uh, Regular listeners to the show probably noticed that we missed. So we post originality every other week um, on Thursdays, and we missed two of those. And I wanted to explain why, but that also kind of led me to what what our topic ended up being. Um, So basically, everything happened at once. (laughs) It was like life came crushing down on me. And because, you know, Justin, my husband, edits the show. He's sitting right next to me right now. So we're in the process of moving, which is another thing entirely. And so I'm actually out in our living room and like I can touch him. And usually we're in separate rooms and this is, it's really weird. I'm just over here poking him. Um, It's really weird to have him sitting next to me while I'm recording a podcast. Like he's just looking at me quizzically. Um, (laughs) Tee. But but basically what happened, um, so... Something that I don't talk a whole lot about is I teach at the college level, um, just a class here and there. I don't I don't do it full time, but I had I had an issue in this class um, that was huge, and other people had to get involved, and it was it was really stressful. Like I had to write reports and gather evidence, and um, you know I can't I can't get really into it, but there was there was a lot of stressful stuff happening with that. And it was really time-consuming stuff. And uh, at the same time, our 11-year-old cat got really, really sick. And one thing I learned about cats is that when they stop eating, the vet really starts to worry because cats aren't like other animals. Um, If if they go too long without eating, well, I mean any animal, if they go too long without eating, they're they're not going to do well, right? But um, cats, I guess, are especially susceptible to like liver failure if if 
they don't eat. Um, and she wasn't eating and she wasn't drinking. She's teeny tiny. She's six and a half pounds when she's healthy. And she lost close to half a pound in five days. Um, and I mean, she was super sick and I was like, okay, my, my cat is going to die. And I'm one of those, those owners of animals who's like, I get really attached. I have some friends who are like, oh, well, we'll just get another cat. And that's not me. Um, and then I had a friend who was, um, undergoing a very severe mental health crisis. And, uh, I mean, a friend that I've had since the sixth grade. And I felt like life was <laughs> like the universe was out to get me. Like it was adding, you know, like a, a death by pressing to get really medieval, you know, like the universe put a board on me and it just started adding stones. And it was like, what is the stone going to be? Um, that's going to break her. And, um, and I wasn't there. And I think if any two of those three big things had happened, I would have been able to handle it and, you know, post the show and, and set up recording sessions with you and all of that. But those three things, it was just, it was too much. And I was in the situation where typically when I'm going through a hard time, I can be like, well, this time next week, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be, you know, this, these reports that I have to write are going to be done and and I'm going to be fine. And so I was trying to do that in this, you know, huge situation, these three combined situations that created this big life or, you know, bad life event or whatever. And it was just like black because I was trying to use my coping strategies, you know, the whole, it'll be okay in a week, this will be over. And I kept thinking, okay, well, in a week, this will be over. And, and it was like literally looking into darkness and being like, yeah, but is it really going to be over? Is it actually, actually going to be over? And, um, and I just couldn't, and something had something, something had to go. I had to let go of something temporarily. Um, well, more than one something. So, you know, I got through the situation with school. The cat um, had some gross things happen, but she's okay now. She's gaining weight again. Um, my friend was able to get some help and is, I wouldn't say stable, but is more stable. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't emotionally cope with all of those things. And post originality and keep the house clean and cook my meals. And like, I, I couldn't even read. Like I, I just, I, my brain was so full. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I didn't even talk to you about it. I didn't talk to Mike and Steven who, you know, relay FM, the network where, uh, originality, uh, belongs to the, the network it belongs to. Like, I was just like, it's not happening. It wasn't like, we need to have a conversation. And I think maybe, you know, I need to, it was just like, no, here's what's going on. This is what's happening. I don't know when I'm going to post the podcast. It will be eventually. And, um, Tempest, I'm really grateful to you and to Mike and Steven. You all were like, oh my God, go take care of it. It'll be okay. But I was just not beyond my ability to cope, but I was right on the edge of it. And so today, I wanted to talk about 
being in these these situations where um life gets really overwhelming and sometimes you have to decide what thing you're going to let go of whether it's you know missing posting two podcast episodes or I don't know like forgiving yourself like I haven't written um I was writing every day I have not even picked that back up yet I just I don't have the bandwidth with it now that we've added moving into the mix and so so I I don't know I thought that it would be an interesting thing to explore and like I I think it's something we don't talk about a whole lot is that sometimes situations get way out of hand and sometimes you just you have to step back like you just have to agree um and because I think that a part of it is really bound up in a lot of cultural stuff around what you should be able to handle or what you should do or how if you miss doing you know certain things then that means that you're a bad person or you just can't hand, get yourself together and what's wrong with you um which is of course like all just cultural nonsense baggage um and and really has nothing to do with you know whether or not you're you should be, you know, coping in this way or that way. And so, yeah, you know, I I often struggle with being able to get things done because of my own mental illness. And one of the big things I've had to learn is to allow myself to be like, I just can't do that. Like that thing, I'm going to have to let that thing go. I'm not going to be able to do that thing over there, even though I said I was going to do it. I'm not going to be able to do this thing, even though this is a regular thing that I do. Um, because sometimes it's just really important, um, you know, as an artist or just as a person to be able to pull back and just concentrate on the things that you have to deal with um, in order to just, you know, see just a little bit of light in that darkness like you were talking about. So, you know, because of that, because I understand that, you know, completely, of course I was like, yes, go, go work on the things like this podcast while it is awesome because we're on it and that's why it's awesome uh, is not like the number one most important thing and should not be the number one most important thing, especially when you have like really serious thing, other things happening. And, and it's always good to be able to like give yourself a break. Um, and also to, to give others a break when, when things like this happen. So yes, I, I totally empathize with all of that that was going on. And I, I only knew like a fraction of the things, but even like the fraction that I knew, I was like, you should go take care of that and don't worry about this <laughs> because yeah. So I'm curious, do you, um, are you able to recognize when, when things are getting too, to be too much? Like I want to use the word overwhelmed or overwhelming, but that's not like, I am overwhelmed packing my house, but I know I can do it. What I went through was, you know, a couple of weeks ago was just like (laughs) desolation. I don't know. I don't know what word to use, but can you, can you recognize when something like that is starting to happen for you? I don't usually recognize it until I'm way too yeah. far into it, which is one of my um, big problems that I'm I'm working on being more aware of the uh, warning signs before it gets to the ultimate point where I'm just like, I can't do that. Um, and, and I think also it, it's, it's bound up 
in a lot of my feelings about, you know, the amount of productivity that I I'm doing or the amount of productivity that I have. And sometimes I feel very, very unproductive, even though I do a lot of things in a day, but I don't get done all the things that I want to get done. Um, and that includes like stuff, stuff around my artistic output. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation that has been happening in my little corner of the writing community lately, which is talking about, you know, the idea that you, you have to produce a certain amount every day. You have to do certain things every day. You have to, you have to, you have to. And there, these are the rules that come down to us, but really you don't. Um, Daniel Jose Older had this really great quote that I can't remember exactly, uh, even though I've used it many times, but he talks about how there is a lot of shame that is sort of put on writers and other artists for not being able to do artistic production in the same way as you know, you're you're supposed to. The other people have said you're supposed to, um, with the same amount of frequency. And he and he uses the example of the writing advice that you have to write every day. And you know, we've talked about that on this podcast. How like doing the artistic thing every day can be really helpful in developing your artistry, whatever it is, right? But there's also the flip side to that, where you just because that is helpful to everybody doesn't, or helpful to some people doesn't mean that it's helpful to everybody. And for some people, like having that in their head that they have to do this much writing every day, this much art every day, this much whatever every day, then that gives them anxiety and it keeps them from being able to like do their art because they're feeling a lot of shame around the fact that they're not able to do the thing in the way that other people have said, well, you have to do it that way. Um, and and that's no good because there are a million and one reasons why any individual person might not be able to do it exactly that way. Um, so I think that part of it for me is just at first trying to recognize that I don't have to do anything in a specific way that anyone else has told me ever, that I can make my own choices about how how much I'm going to write, how, how often or whatever, like how I, I have to design my own path toward how I can write more and write better and and learn and stuff like that. I have to be the one to decide that, but it's really hard because, you know, the ideas about what makes you a real, whatever it is that you're trying to be a real quote unquote, uh, they're very pervasive. And so, but I think it, a lot of it starts there. A lot of it starts from the outside and sort of filters into the inside. And then, you know, as you're sort of battling these things in your head, trying to figure out like between what you want to do and what other people told you to do. And then all of a sudden you're in this like spiral and, and then you, you feel like, crap, how am I going to get out of this? Um, yeah. So there's just, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happens when, when you get into that shame spiral cycle that, um, you know, figuring out ways to stop yourself from that, like, that's the way I guess you, you, that's the coping mechanism, but I haven't figured out 100% best ways to do that yet. So. Well, and I think it's, it's hard to, so I, I am getting better at recognizing when I'm taking on too much and when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed 
and I'm getting better about. So I thought I was really good at saying no to things and I am, but not to the level where I needed to be. Um, and that's been a really important lesson over the last few weeks because, you know, like in addition to those three major things that were happening in my life, I was also trying to organize um, App Camp for Girls in Phoenix um, for our third year. I was trying to, you know, plan this move from Phoenix to Seattle um, and and it was it was too much. And I ended up actually um, there hasn't been an official announcement made, um, but I ended up talking to App Camp's executive director and saying, I, I can't do this. I cannot I cannot do all of the things that I'm doing plus organize a summer camp from, you know, 1500 miles away. Um, not this year, maybe next year. Um, and she's I think she's looking for somebody who can who can kind of step in and and take care of that. But I and that hurt. That hurt a lot. But um because I was like, we've, we have kids who really, they want to come back this year um, as, as interns. Um, I, I don't want to let them down. I, I know that younger siblings or, you know, the siblings of, of kids who've come through camp are really looking forward to coming this year. Um, I'm letting down, you know, the, the founders of the, the program and like all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not going to do this well. It, it, I'm not going to do it well. And my health, not just, not just my mental health, but also my, my like physical health is going to suffer for doing that. And so, you know, I, so that was like, I stopped posting originality for a couple of weeks. I, um, I, I stepped away entirely from app camp. Well, not entirely, but from organizing. Um, and that, that was really, really hard. Um, but I felt it, you know, as I was going through this, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And I have to, um, I definitely can't do it now. And sure, I could put tasks off for a couple of weeks and pick them up once, you know, once the cat is okay. And once my friend is stable and once I've taken care of this, the situation with my class, but I started thinking about then, okay, I'm going to have to move and I'm going to be trying to, I'm going to try to wrangle, uh, finding volunteers and, and planning all of this. And I just, I was, I, I can't do it. Like future me is not going to be happy if I, if I continue with this commitment. And, um, and I, I, I'm proud of myself and I'm glad that I did it, but it still kind of stings because I do feel like, you know, I'm, I'm letting people down and I really wanted to do this thing for them. And, um, but that, that's just how it has to be. And I'm glad, you know, I was able, it, I was able to recognize, like, it, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. But typically what happens is I'm in over my head and I'm like, I can't breathe. Like literally I'll have those, it's not, I wouldn't call it a panic attack, but just like thinking about everything is so overwhelming where it's like, Oh, I, I literally, I like, I literally don't feel like I have time to breathe right now. And I would feel my breath catching. <laughs> um, and so I am trying 
I'm trying to, one, not only recognize when I'm in those situations sooner, but two, I'm trying to step back and say no to even more things so I'm not in that anymore. Um, But it's really hard to do. Like both of those things are really, really hard to do. Yeah, saying no is definitely hard, especially when it's saying no to something that you love um, or something that you are pretty sure that you could do. or even saying no to something that would make you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the third one is often the hardest one because you're like, I need that money though. But yeah, because mm-hmm. I I also recently, I made a decision that I was going to stop writing nonfiction for a while. I mean, I'll write on my blog probably, um, but I'm no longer taking nonfiction gigs. And one of the reasons why is because I have discovered that I have just developed an anxiety around writing nonfiction Um, that wasn't always there. I mean, I used to write nonfiction for a living. I used to be a journalist, a tech journalist, Um, and I would write essays and blog posts all the day long. Um, But for whatever reason, recently, that has become very hard for me. And once I was finally able to just face up to that fact, I'm like, you know, I don't know the reason why, but this is causing me a lot of pain. And so I was like, well, I'm just not going to do it for a while then until I figure out what's wrong or I get over whatever it is. But in the one of the reasons why I sort of discovered that this was just like a problem is because I got an assignment and I was happy to do it and it was going to pay me a lot of money and I just literally couldn't make it happen. And there was no rational reason why I couldn't make it happen. This is when I knew that it was like a problem of, you know, it's not that I didn't have the resources. It's not that I didn't have the time. It's not that I didn't know my subject. It was just irrational, you know, brain weasels (laughs) that were causing me to not be able to do this thing. And so I missed out on that assignment. Luckily they found somebody else to do the thing and that somebody else is awesome. And so it worked out in general, um, but I still felt bad because like I thought I would be able to handle that and I couldn't. Um, so having to make that decision to be like, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to accept any more assignments, offers, whatever, and I'm just going to have to say no. Um, but it, it's now helpful knowing that like I have, instead of always sort of feeling that dread of being like, should I say yes or should I say no? It's like, no, right now I am saying no to all of these things because I can't. Um, that makes it sometimes a little bit better, but it makes me sad that I, the, a thing that I used to do that I used to make my living at doing, I can't do right now for whatever reason. But it does, it's good that I can recognize that that is a problem and that I can then maybe work on figuring out why it's a problem and solving that for myself. Um, But the first step is to be like, I recognize that this is a thing that I can't do right now. And so I should step back, but man, it's hard, especially if it's something you love. So I think, I think one of the things that I've really struggled with is the feeling of should the feeling of should. Um, that's one of the feelings, right? Um, because, um, I should, and this has been a lifelong thing, right? So in high school, um, I was working and managing the basketball team and, 
doing my homework and, you know, all of those things. Uh, and I felt like I should be able to do all of that really well because people who, my peers who, um, I arrogantly thought were less capable and less smart than me, um, were able to do all of this. Right. And I was like, I I don't understand why I'm not able to do all of this well. Uh, I should be able to do this. And, And the fact of the matter is I had ADHD. Well, I had, I have ADD. And it was not diagnosed until I was in college. Um, And that's why I was struggling with all of these things because the context switching, the going from one task to another, um, they were like completely unrelated was, was just incredibly excruciating for me. And that's still true. Again, ADD. Um, But also this feeling of, well, I've done this kind of workload in the past. I should be able to do it now. Um, that is incredibly, not limiting, overbearing, um, like that, that, that expectation is just too much. Instead of recognizing that life changes, right? That's, that is one of, one of the constants of life is that it changes. And instead of recognizing that and flexing as life changes, I become very stalwart and like, no, this is how it's been and this is how it's going to be. And that's, that's just not reasonable. And part of that is because I am very reluctant to change. So, you know, currently there, there are a lot of changes happening and I am holding on to not changing while I'm also packing to move to a different part of the country. Um, but that's been a big thing for me, um, like always, like I said, but especially in the last, you know, month to six weeks is, um, is that feeling of, of should, um, you know, I should, Tempest, I should be able to write an article, a nonfiction article. That's what I've done my entire professional career. Um, but I don't know, there's, there's something about the shoulds. Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, I never say should, it's a forbidden word in my vocabulary and I'm, I'm not there, but I think that we have to examine, examine those things and, and, um, the weight we're putting on ourselves with those shoulds. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and shoulds are definitely they're they can be an evil disease, the shoulds. Um, <laughs> because yeah, it's it's also not necessarily totally reasonable to expect that just because you've been able to do X thing before, that you can always do X thing the way that you did it before, because like everything changes. Like as we go along in life, everything just changes. And situations change and brain chemistry changes and your, you know, ability to, to sit down and do a thing may change because of a variety of reasons. Um, and I think that that's probably what made it, it took me so long to just be like, I can't do that thing because I was like, but I should be able to, because I've done it before. Um, but I also try to like push aside should as much as possible, especially since should is, uh, it's a terrible barometer for what you actually should be doing. 
The shoulds are a terrible barometer for should. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. But <laughs> I get you though. <laughs> but I hope, yeah, I hope that you you catch my meaning because um, there there are just so many things that go into it. Like I remember many years ago, uh, a friend of mine wrote a blog post. This friend of mine is a white dude, and he wrote this blog post in which he said, "You know, you have to do." this in order to like become a better writer um you have to you should be doing blah 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 and when and then he said and if you think you don't like just look at my friend over here and he referenced another writer and this other writer was um very sick at the time and and he was like, that other writer over there, he's really sick, like with a very bad disease, but he does this thing that I'm telling you should do. And so therefore, and I remember at the time being like, I want to reach to the screen and throttle you, mm-hmm. friend of mine, who's writing this blog post, because it, you know, as with all the shoulds and of all the, the pointing to examples one thing, you know, or many things did not come into his thought process as to why the friend of his who was, you know, had this illness was still able to achieve these specific writing goals um, is because that friend was also a white male, a middle-class white male who had a very large support system and family and was financially comfortable. um, And, yeah, like had not had to struggle to get health care, to struggle to, you know, worrying about if they were going to be able to provide for their family, even though they were ill, um, didn't have to, you know, had had lots of friends and family around them in order to like help them with the many things that, you know, go, you have to deal with in life when you have a very serious illness. And that's not to say that like, oh, it's, you know, that guy had it easy. Clearly that guy didn't have it 100% easy because he did have a, a severe illness. But the point was, is that you know, because he had all those support systems in place and there were things that he didn't have to worry about, he could devote enough mental energy to continue to do his writing, even though he had this terminal illness. Meanwhile, not everybody has all of those advantages. And, it you know, just just trying to get people to understand that. And, and this is the thing, like, this is why it's so toxic for creative people to believe in the shoulds because a lot of these shoulds don't think about how it may be different for you because you're a woman with a child to be able to take the time and mental energy to set aside, you know, this much time for your art every day because you have to be thinking about also the needs of that child, perhaps your partner, you know, are whether or not you have to make money, even if you're a single person, you know, are are you financially stable enough that you can devote enough of your mental energy to your art and not have to worry about how I'm going to pay my bills? How am I going to, you know, afford my apartment? You know, whatever it is. Um, people who have like, say, a partner, but they don't have any other familiar support, familial support. Maybe the rest of their family has passed away. Maybe they're estranged from the rest of their family. So it's like you and one other person, and you all both still have to pay your bills and think about all the things. And sometimes there are just things in life that 
you really do need a village and you don't have a village. Yep. Yeah, there are so many things that go into like should that are just nonsense. Um, and yeah, so being a creative person, you have to have some kind of space in your life, in your brain to be able to create. But sometimes that space is taken up by life and it's taken up by things outside of you that you have no control over. And sometimes that does mean that you have to either reclaim that space for your creativity from your life, or you need to say, I need to concentrate on this other stuff right now first. And that's okay too, to be like, I can't, I can't really think about drawing my pictures today. I can't really think about going out and taking, you know, doing photography stuff today. I can't practice the piano today, whatever it is, because I literally have to concentrate on these other things. But because we have this culture in which, you know, you artists are often, or people, you know, in general are made to feel ashamed when they don't do the thing or they don't, you know, participate in the shoulds, then that can make it harder to get back to your art when you have the the ability to. Um, and that's, that is the part that I'm like working the hardest on to get past is to not feel shame when I haven't had the opportunity or the bandwidth to work on my art for a really long time to put aside that shame so that I can get back to it when I have the bandwidth. That's the hardest part for me. Yeah. And I think there's this pervasive myth that creativity does not require energy. Um, You know, like people... I think if you're not plugged into creative communities, you don't hear discussions about how much work it is to, you know, to draw or write or even write a computer program or, you know, whatever. I mean, just brainstorming is it it takes thoughtfulness and concentration and energy. And sometimes that energy has to go to other things. And that's one of the big, the big things that I try to demystify. Like one of the reasons I'm really open about my life and my, my mental state and what I'm going through is because we have uh, especially with social media, we have this way of painting everything as like we show the the cliche, <laughs> the twenty you know twenty ten cliche is uh, we show highlight reels on social media, right? You look at Instagram and it's you know the happy smiling family. It's not you know chasing three toddlers trying to get them into their button up shirt and bow tie or you know whatever and. That's why I try to be very open in everything that I do is to destigmatize things and to to show like I am a fairly happy person. I am a fairly well-adjusted person, um, but sometimes things just suck. <laughs> and that's just the reality. And sometimes I just don't have energy. And I mean, that's part of the reason we're moving too is because I feel bad in Phoenix. Um, I'm allergic to everything. So we're going to somewhere where hopefully I won't be allergic to everything, Um, but it requires energy. And so 
when I when I look at the things that I am trying to do right now, it's like, um, what what is like how many watts watts? Uh, I'm not an electrician. Um, how many? How much? How many energy units? Justin's looking at me. <laughs> you know, but but how much? What is the equation here? Like how much energy am I putting into this versus what will I get back out of it? And creating things, whether it's writing or framing a photograph or whatever, that takes energy and creativity. Um, And it's not always just there. It's work. It is work. And if you're doing a job that zaps you of that energy or you have a family who you love who zaps you of that energy, it's a lot harder to get things done. And I think that that's something that we need to recognize more societally. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, with that, it's it's all about like figuring out how you can recharge your creative energy, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. It's like ways to, to recharge yourself. Um, and yeah, also just like getting over cultural conditioning, which is hard. It's really hard to get over cultural conditioning. Like that's not the work of a day. You're not going to listen to this podcast and be like, I'm done with that cultural conditioning. Let's have pizza. It's amazing how much, like once you start looking, um, how much is ingrained by society and you're just like, oh, oh, that's going to be a lot of work to undo, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Yep. I feel like that really is part of what you have, you know, at the root of of creativity is is how well you can figure that out for yourself. Because I think that that's part of what art is, too, is like trying to figure out how to like break that cultural conditioning and do your art in the way that expresses yourself best without having to like totally just pour like drain out yourself into doing it but like some people do that like some people just like drain their whole selves out into their art and there's sort of nothing left in the end and that can you know that can produce some really beautiful amazing art but I'm always just like but did that art kill that artist Mm. I don't know how I feel about that art if it killed the artist yeah to to make it happen you know um, I'm, I've never been a, a believer in how you have to sort of kill yourself in order to write the thing, make the painting, do the dance, learn the instrument, you know, whatever. Self-care is just so important. I feel like I say this a lot recently. Self-care is really important. Yeah. Move, move into more self-care. Yeah. I, I'm at a point in my life where I don't sacrifice my sleep for like anything anymore. I, um, it's hard because I do, I have insomnia, but like I, I put away work by a certain time every day. I will say no to early morning meetings. Um, sometimes that means I miss out on opportunities. Um, I, my sleep is sacrosanct. I just, I, I can't not sleep like, and you know, I'm in my mid thirties. I think it's, it's the right time for that revelation to come. I definitely didn't have it in my twenties. Um, but yeah, because if I don't sleep, then I'm worthless, you know, not literally, but, um, I just can't get anything done. And, uh, 
sleep is important. Saying no to things is important. Recognizing when you're in over your head is important. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted this episode to be about, you know, is like, there's only one you and you can only do so much and it's not worth sacrificing your health or your life to do a lot of the things that we put pressure on ourselves to do. Yeah. And it's also, I think that part of the reason why, especially artists put that on themselves is because they're like, well, but I have to create like a million billion things. Like I have to do this so I can have the career and and write 17 novels and 42,000 short stories and this, that, and the other thing. And you know, you may be able to get to the point where you have the time to produce a million of this or, um, you know, a thousand of that or whatever. But there's also something to be said for the people who just like took their time and made like one thing that's amazing, you know, despite whatever limitations they may have. Um, for instance, Susanna Clark, who's the author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, Someone told me, and I, I don't think this is meant to be a secret, um, and I really don't even remember who told me this, but somebody told me that, um, that Susanna Clark has chronic fatigue syndrome. And, and when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, but she wrote the giantest book that ever giant did. It really like, is, yeah. <laughs> God, like, you could kill people with copies of John the Strange and Miss Norrell. And it's also like a very complex book. Like it's not just sort of, you know, some sort of straightforward, and then the unicorn was out in the field and then somebody climbed on the unicorn and they rode off into battle. No, like that's a really, you know, it's a complex book. It's a good book. And... It, and because it's so huge, it's like that wasn't like somebody's first draft. Like you have to, you know, do a lot of drafting. So she had to draft like that book, however many times, a giant book. And she has chronic fatigue syndrome. But, you know, it took her, I'm I'm assuming it took her a while to do that. But when she did, she produced like this really wonderful book. I haven't seen any books by her since. I don't know that there aren't any, but you know, she hasn't been like tearing up the bestseller list year after year after year, but you know what? That's actually okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. It's a 782 page book. Right. Like, you know, it, however much she produces or doesn't produce, it doesn't matter. She created a really awesome book that many people love and still love. And it got turned into a BBC miniseries and it won some awards. Like, that's great. Her self-worth, I hope that she knows this, but you know, from, from out here, her self-worth is not determined by whether or not she produces more than one of those books. It's not, it's not predicated on her producing any book, quite honestly. But she, within whatever limitations that she had, she worked on and produced that really amazing book. Maybe sometimes it's going to be about that. Maybe, yes, it means that she can't make her living, or maybe now she can't because, you know, BBC money, but like, you know, if you're an artist who doesn't produce constantly, then it may mean that you're not going to be able to make a living off of your art. And quite honestly, like it's, it's not the fault of artists if they can't make a living off of their art, no matter how much they produce. It's the fault of our culture for not valuing artists. So, so yeah, so you can't like tie up 
your self-worth and whether or not you produce enough in order to make a living off of it. You know, you can't be like, I'll only be a real artist if no, that's always bullpucky. Um, you're an artist if you create art. Yep. Whatever kind of art you create. Yep. And however much of it you create. That's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, my my takeaways or my the opposite of takeaways, the things that I'm giving to to our audience are basically like if you need per- permission to step back, I am here to give you that permission. Um, if you think that you are maybe overwhelmed, you are already overwhelmed and you need to examine um, what to do about that. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes there's nothing you can do. But if there is, if you, you know, you just have the slightest inkling, like maybe this is too much, it's too much. And, and, you know, try to figure out ways to mitigate that. Um, and like more than anything, your own health and your mental health are of paramount importance and you need to guard them as best you can. Um, like, I, I don't know. I didn't mean for this to be like a very special episode of originality or anything like that, you know, but, uh, but it's just, it's protect yourself. I mean, you protect yourself as much as you can. I concur. Well, that is our episode for this time. Um, of course we'll have links to things like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell in the show notes. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter. The show's account is at originality FM. Uh, you can find me. I'm at Aline, A-L-E-E-N and Tempest is tiny Tempest. And until next time, take care of yourself. Yeah. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs>